Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And uh, we have a special guest today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Kathy. 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 Yeah. Uh, uh, who are you? Who are you? Who, who are you at your core? Who am I at my core? Practicing artist, mm -hmm. a poet, mm -hmm. a priest, mm -hmm. maybe a prophet, who knows? Uh, and I'm married to Bruce. I, I like that that is the end. That, that's the bookend of that. Uh, 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 I, I sometimes, uh, uh, when I introduce my, my wife, certain times I, I forget to give all the accolades in front. I just, oh, this is my wife, Bethany. I'm like, oh, this, there's a lot of important accolades that go in front of that. <laughs> so I like it. I like it. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, this you. is the podcast for January 6th. And uh, so as, you're, as, you're, as this is being released, uh, Happy New Year, by the way. This is uh, being released uh, New Year's morning. Uh, Good morning! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Good morning, 2019. Sorry, your head is ringing uh, from all those mistakes you made last night. Um, uh, and uh, um, But uh, welcome to the new year. Welcome to 2019. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're getting it started off. Uh, I'm glad you're getting it started off with us. Um, uh, as always, uh, uh, if you have any questions uh, uh, that you would like to submit uh, uh, pre-taping to the podcast, you can do that at uh, shortcut at hfec.org, and uh, we'd be happy to read those questions. Uh, we didn't get any for this one, as far as I'm aware, so uh, we'll, we'll have to skip through that uh, session, but please feel free to, to, to send us something in, um, uh, and we'll... We'll cover it in the podcast. But uh, today's episode is uh, brought to you by the Pentateuch. Are you a fan of the Bible's original greatest hits? Now, for an unlimited time, we proudly present the Pentateuch. All your favorite stories from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in one single collection. Creation? Check. Plagues of Egypt? We've got them. How to construct your tent within the camp of your tribe? You betcha. All right here. The Pentateuch. It's the OG of the NIV, the VIP of the NRSV. Don't go MIA on this and RSVP your copy ASAP. The Pentateuch. All five of him. All five. <laughs> so the Pentateuch. Uh, um, for those of you who don't know, I, I, I threw it in there for the sponsorship. Uh, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, it's a Greek word, uh, which is why it's more tied to, uh, to Christianity. Uh, the, the, no, no. Okay. Okay. No, the, the, when the, what Christians call the old Testament, uh -huh. or perhaps more appropriate is called the Hebrew scriptures uh -huh. was gathered together. It wasn't a time when the educated world was speaking Greek. Uh -huh. And so the rabbis chose to use that Greek title when describing those first five books, when giving them a single title. Gotcha. So that actually is a self-naming within the Jewish heritage. Penta meaning five. Took, took, I've, I had that up. I don't even remember now, uh, come to think of it, what the tukos uh, 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 was, uh, what meant, uh, uh, books, I want to say, or something, something along those lines. Um, but uh, it's also, it's the same thing as the Torah. Right. Is it not? Okay. Yeah, the, the Torah being the Hebrew word. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so there's your there's your lesson for the day: the Pentateuch, uh, uh, gathering of the first five books of the Old Testament. It has some of the most interesting, bizarre stories anywhere in the Scriptures. Mm -hmm. So, well worth your time to read. 
and to count on your fingers how many of the stories contradict each other. <laughs> There's no contradiction in the Bible. You know that. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm not finding it now. I'm, I'm, I had it... Uh, I had it. I think it. I think it does mean books or scrolls. Um, um, was but I, I. don't. I don't have it up here anymore, and I uh, can't find it. So we'll just move along. But uh, but yeah. So that was a. Uh, that was our sponsor for the day. Thank you very much to the Pentateuch for being willing to uh, lend their name to to this podcast. Uh, we'll we'll do you proud. Uh, so January sixth, uh, the readings. Uh, let's let's hop right into them. Well, uh, let's let's say one thing first. It's the Feast of the Epiphany. Okay. Mm -hmm. And. Every six years, it falls on a Sunday. So this year, we get to celebrate one of the major feast days of the year on a Sunday. So people that week do not have to go to church twice. And You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy it while you got it. And the other thing I want to point out is Kathy will be the preacher on that Sunday. Mm -hmm. So you might hear a few hints as to what the sermon may be like about, or maybe she'll be talking about things that there just won't be room for in the sermon. So I'm very glad she's here for that reason. Yeah. Now, Epiphany, do you want to say anything about uh, what that actually is? I mean, we, 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 we say the, the Feast of, of, of Epiphany, but what does that actually, what does that actually mean? It, it clearly has a title, so. Well, it, Epiphany refers as, as you'll notice when we get to these readings, the the word epiphany refer, refers to light, enlightening. Mm. Um, there are stars. There's the glory of God, which is this big shiny thing. And um, it also is a word that indicates revelation. When that light comes, the darkness goes, and suddenly you see things that you didn't see before, for whatever reason. It's kind of a, a peeling the skies. This, nope, wrong word. Peeling the, the, the film from your eyes. Oh, so okay. So you can mm -hmm. suddenly see. Sud finally see. Yeah. Is it, always, is, is it always around the new year? Is it, is it's, it, uh... Uh, it is always um, January 6th. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that it's kind of, on our calendar at least, it's, where Christmas ends. There's the 12 days of Christmas, mm -hmm. and then there's January 6th. Um, in some places, especially in Spain, it's really the big deal. They don't mm. do a lot with Christmas specifically. I mean, they acknowledge Christmas and go to church, but the big feast day is the day of the Epiphany. Interesting. Um, they, you know, they make a the, the wise men processing or the magi, mm -hmm. which does not mean wise men. Actually, it means magicians, sorcerers kind of thing. Um, really? Okay. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the very stories that we tell around Epiphany have to do with things processing and moving forward. So, hmm. um, yeah, it becomes a really big festival in Spain kind of because of that. Interesting. So much it's better than bullfighting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's very much tied to kind of uh, similar similar themes as to what you know traditionally we we, we uh, apply with like that that New Year practice. It's a, it's it's a kind of a rejuvenation, kind of a a start anew. Um, bathe your bathe yourself in the light, and twenty nineteen will be a a, a, a you know a start yeah, over, and we get the, to the, the the new big things are happening hmm. and. Mm -hmm. Um, wouldn't it be nice if we could 
hang on to that a little longer than January 6th. <laughs> yeah, by, by January 6th, I'll have already broken my New Year's resolution, I'm sure, whatever that may be. I, I've got yeah. a few. I'm, I'm few. not making mine until January 5th. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that way it lasts longer into the new year. Uh, <laughs> I'll be I'll be painting it actually. Oh, oh, very nice. I will I, I I will have no such talent uh, to apply towards my 2019 goals. Uh, so um, uh, um, maybe exercise or less coffee, kind of a kind of a deal uh, will be my will be my yeah. manageable manageable things uh, for me. <laughs> As I take a sip from my coffee. <laughs> Okay, so um, our first reading here is uh, from Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, and uh, that reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes, and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold, frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Uh, so this reading in Isaiah, um, it's what, what do we what, what do we take away from this? I mean, this is this is kind of a, is this a foretelling of the the future? Is this a call to action? What is what is Isaiah saying here? It's it's not a prediction. We often look at prophecy and say, oh yes, he's predicting what's going to happen, or he's mm -hmm. telling us what to wait for. And as Christians, we love to go backwards from from you know the, the Christian scriptures into the mm -hmm. Hebrew scriptures and say, see, that's what he meant. Right. And um the stories are wonderfully written in that way and they, you know, they do refer back and pick up some wonderful themes. But um this is about something that was much more contemporary to Isaiah. People were, mm -hmm. you know, they were captive a lot. And um, a lot <laughs> of... It was the, a recurring theme it in was the a Old Testament. Theme, and a little bit of the New Testament, so... And, yeah, they were still captive then. Mm -hmm. And looking looking forward to a release from that captivity. But, um, you know, I, what Isaiah is promising, that eventually this will end. And... Things will change, and this is, Isaiah expresses it to me in such a way that's so huge. Mm -hmm. It's people and camel and cows and donkeys nations. and who knows what. Nations are all suddenly catching that light. And um, there's a painting by John August Swanson. I don't know if you know his work, but he paints mm -hmm. these marvelous pictures that are just full of action and the particular one i'm seeing in my head right now is this people streaming up a hillside and they're coming in from someplace you know far off the painting you can just imagine the multitudes and multitudes of people and they all have little bitty candles and they're coming up this mountain and as more and more candles and people walk up, it gets brighter and it gets brighter. And mm -hmm. um, 
this is that's Isaiah to me. It's arise, shine, mm-hmm. shine, and the light. You know, he indicates that you know you shall be radiant. It's like yeah, the that... light gets inside of you, and after a while, you stop needing your candles because you become radiant yourself. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that struck me in in, in just reading that that the, uh, the 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 light is coming from within. So this is a drawing. This is like a moth to the flame. Mm-hmm. This is that you know this is so it's very interesting if it's if it's a if it's a um foretelling a time where uh, people will not be under this rule this is not a you will overcome this and you will go out this is a they're going to come to you your 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 light is going to be so irresistible that the nation nations and kings and and everyone will be drawn to you right um the the one line though that that I, I guess I, I'm not sure. Uh, it doesn't sound out of place, but I, it, it threw me a little bit, uh, and I was kind of wanted to ask about it. Um, when it talks about your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms, I, I was I wanted to see if you guys had any uh, any comment on the the being carried on nurses' arms. Like why 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 is that the picture for 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 the daughters? When yeah, um, really, again, it's not out of place. It's just it no. just seemed kind of interesting I, wording for me to me. It's it's um, it's kind of a literary thing, almost a poetic thing. And mm-hmm. what Isaiah is trying to say here is not that all the daughters will be unable to walk and all the sons can do their own thing, but um, that there will be ages of people yeah there will be tiny tiny children there okay. will be strong powerful youth there will be the elderly and um gotcha okay yeah. so so this is this it's, is painting the picture of of of, of throughout all generations uh, right. uh your right. sons who have yeah. moved away will return your your daughters who were just born shall be brought in uh, and, that and, that it's all encompassing. That it's not. It's not. Yeah, this and, is not for your generations in the future. This is for for here, for yeah, now, for later. And, uh, and he could as well have written, "Your daughters will come from afar, and your sons will be carried." Except that people like to think of the men, the male the, part of the population, as stronger. The, and, there, there's there's a strong male dominance in yeah. in and so it, <laughs> in it's the books okay, of the Bible. I think that's it's okay to, to infantilize in, to make women seem. Tiny and young, um, you wouldn't necessarily do that with boys in this context. That makes that makes sense. So to, to help with that, <clears throat> in this passage, the opening verses are addressing a female. Oh, so Jerusalem is—I mean, you can't tell it in an English translation, but in the Hebrew, yeah. the the it, since Jerusalem is being addressed, Jerusalem is a woman. Or, Interesting. Or is female. Yes. Has, right. has, has, a, has a female uh, um, gender, gender to, yeah. assigned to it. Interesting. Uh, and the other, uh, and another interesting piece that Kathy referred to is that the, all these folks that are being described are coming to a place that at this point does not exist because the Babylonians have totally destroyed it and depopulated mm. it. Mm. That the Babylonians took all of the Jewish people out of Jerusalem uh, to their lands to exploit their labors and skills, destroy Jerusalem so they wouldn't be tempted to wander back. And therefore, this description of Jerusalem not just existing again, 
but being repopulated in this most holy way is both tremendously comforting and just flat out amazing. Interesting. Okay. Now, and, and, and to take one step back, uh, the the gender assignment of a city is that is is that born out of oh, a little, uh, maybe a. Uh, uh, <laughs> interesting choice of words I just use there, but but because uh, generations would be born from there, or that or that 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 is it, it does have to have to do with uh, like the uh, concept of like giving birth to something. Is that why it, it gets a female uh, representation, or like why why is that? Do you know? Did you ask it, Isaiah before we yeah. sat down? Yeah, no, we didn't want to talk about that. Um, I mean, this is this is as much a guess as anything, but there are places. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say cities, but places that are are noted in various parts of Scripture that are referred to as he. Mm. Um, you know, some of the the cities named for the sons of. Jacob, um, and um, such things as that, and I, I don't know. I think it's uh, it has to do with the construction of the words themselves. Hmm. It's um, I don't think it's intentionally male or female, except that you know all all languages except English even give you know assign genders to the word cat or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so the cities come out that way, but many of the cities are named for men. There, I don't know that there are any cities named for women, but um, Jerusalem is a female noun, basically. And the Salam part, you know, has to do with peace. So it's a it's a place oh. of peace, and and I think it's it's genius that you know it does become sort of that birthing place, and you get this sense of. The population just keeps right expanding. That's and, where the multitudes um, and the generations yeah. come from are, yeah. are, are, and, are and born the, out of this and promise. And they will get to go back. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, it's um, I, I think it's important to consider, especially the prophets and things like the Psalms as as the poetry that they really are. Mm -hmm. um, and if we try too hard to come up with good literal descriptions and understandings of these things, we lose the, we're going to use the word magic. Some people say I use that word too much, but um, there is a magical sense though. Yeah. This stuff that's happening and my fingers are going, Whoa! but um, yeah, there's, there's something magical about it and hmm. um, mystery. It's mystery. And you know, it's, it's huge wonder and promise. And those are the things that, I think we need to to draw from, especially the Old Testament writings, the mm -hmm. prophets, and such things. There's there's a profound amount of mystery. I think, uh, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you when you put yourself in the shoes of of uh, when it was written. You know, the story didn't have as clear of a picture. You know, to to, to where it comes into focus as the way the New Testament does. So it, it creates a very you know a very profound profound sense of mystery of like. What does that look like? What does God's kingdom, uh, the the restructuring of Jerusalem, what does that look like? How how does that come into fruition? And we we you mentioned it before. We we kind of we're, we're saddled with uh, uh, the burden of viewing um, some of these readings through the blinders of history, and like it's hard for us to take 
those aspects off and and put ourselves into those those uh, those uh, um, pre-Christ shoes and and you know what would that have been like? Because we know what the how the story progresses. We 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 know it where where it goes from there. Um, so it makes it really very very interesting. Well, and and to reinforce what you're saying, Ben, the we have to remember that the Hebrew scriptures really encompass thousands of years, mm-hmm. and the New Testament is roughly sixty. Yeah, that the the New Testament is so compact and so quickly written one piece after another on top of another, that's much easier for it to be a little more succinct mm-hmm. and consistent. Whereas with the Hebrew scriptures, there are multiple authors, multiple people involved, whole different eras right. of civilizations that are characters of Babylonia, of Egypt, of um, the very mm-hmm. beginnings of the Roman Empire, the right. Greeks. On right, and on rise on. and falls of entire empires uh, yeah. uh, 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 go in between. Whereas the New Testament, there's just the political authority of Rome. Yep, and it's just the so setting. Much... The setting is the same for uh, pretty relatively the same for, right. for for pretty much all of that sixty period uh, year period of history. So and then they all die. And then, <laughs> as we all do. As... <laughs> save save uh, a couple a couple few. Um, <laughs> So, uh, anything else about Isaiah before we move on to Ephesians? No, let's right. move along. Ephesians chapter three, verses one through twelve, uh, and and uh, so the the question that I like to ask a lot uh, is answered here uh, very early on, which is what you know who wrote this book. Uh, so we'll cover that here in the first ver- first verse. This is the reason that I, Paul, there you go. Am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which you will sorry, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it is now as has now been revealed in his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ, and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heaven in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. So this is a, an interesting reading in that it peels back a little bit of the motivation of, of Paul. He kind of writes down, uh, you look like you're, you want to say something about that. Oh, I am biting to say something. But I don't <laughs> want to interrupt. <laughs> it seems as though he kind of, it, it, you know, gives a little bit of like, this is why I, I, I do this. This is this is where I'm coming from, so that you can kind of understand who I am as a as a person and why I'm reaching out to you and why I feel that this is an important work. And one of the things to think about uh-huh. is that Paul doesn't do that in any of his other letters. 
And you lucky Ephesians. Because he didn't write this one. Ah! <laughs> he got Sing. me. Sing! It was if, some other Paul. This is the reason that I... Sure, Paul, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, as you say, it says right there, Paul, who, who are you to counter the scripture? You're right. Any of us are worthy to counter the scripture. This this is not one of the seven letters that we are sure Paul wrote. And in part because of the vocabulary, mm -hmm. in part because of the grammar, in part because of the theology, it's it's quite easy to say that Dear Ephesians is not a, a letter of Paul. Instead, it's written by someone who was a very close follower of Paul and was building on the concepts he had presented in the seven letters that survived and probably in, in other writings and verbal teachings. So this is someone who has a great deal of respect for Paul so, and therefore is honoring Paul by saying it's by Paul. Gotcha. Which was not a unique dynamic in the world of the first century. People would often create writings and attribute them to their favorite scholar, author, politician, whoever it might be, to honor them. Hmm. And basically to give it one footnote at the top that these are the ideas of so-and-so, and therefore it's really by so-and-so, even though I'm writing it down. So it's not it's not it's not book uh, book ended with uh, something like uh, you know I am Paul and I approve this message or right. something like that. <laughs> that is not there. <laughs> it could be um, plagiarism laws were so different. Very very un underestablished at this point in time. Yeah, and 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 who knows? I I, I don't know the. Uh, do we have an idea as, as to around when it was written? Was Paul even alive dead. at that? I was going to say yeah. it, it, he. Uh, so so the the estate of Paul was not in a position to enact uh, any sort of plagiarism laws uh, against uh, whoever this author is. Imagine a state beyond a tent. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and again, it, it wasn't plagiarism. Sure. It was building on the ideas and honoring Paul. And it was probably written in the uh, last third of the first century. So... It could have been as as long as thirty or forty years after Paul's death. So it could have been it could have been like a, an apprentice under right. uh, under Paul's tutelage, or yeah. or, or someone who, um, um, like, do we have any clues as to yeah. who? No, interesting, very interesting. All right, Paul, you didn't write this one. Uh, sorry, sorry to attribute yet another letter to you. Uh, that may not have been. I'm um, sure he doesn't mind. Right. <laughs> it still gets the job done. <laughs> well, I, I guess that, that that does beg the question. Uh, uh, would Paul have approved of this message? Was I this think, really, de uh, in, in your, in your uh, um, it, it, ultimate opinions, would, did this do him justice? It's, it's consistent with Paul's theology. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little more cosmic. Mm -hmm. is, I, I was gonna, yeah, say that, it, that there's some there's mystery language expressly yeah, and, written in here, and that's that's one mm -hmm. of the signs that's not from Paul, because Paul tended to be fairly concrete. He was not a mystic. He was not a mystic. Yeah, and he was much more interested in what did the the week in and week out life of mm -hmm. a Christian, sometimes even before that term was used, looked like. How how do you worship together? How do you Serve the poor. Pragmatic. Yeah. How do you survive being arrested? 
Mm, you know, mm -hmm. very important things. Yeah. And mixing that in, not mixing that in, but forming it together with a theology of who Christ is mm -hmm. in the here and now. And Ephesians is, is much more full of mystery and mysticism uh, in a way that I, I think Paul would have approved of, but he may not have been interested in. So for the purposes of, of uh, these lectionary readings, uh, is this section of Ephesians uh, partnered with Isaiah to expressly uh, tie together, like, hey, remember that city, remember that, that city of light on a hill uh, piece? Mm -hmm. This is this reading is to say, you Gentiles are also part of this vision for the future uh, now because of, you know, the message of Christ. And, and we are now, this is now extending it outside of the, 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 the Jewish heritage and, and, and extending it to you Gentiles. Is that kind of what I, this is doing? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and of course, you know, somebody sits and makes all these choices or at some point in the past made all these choices about what will we read together mm -hmm. by week, which I'm sure must have been a terrifying undertaking. Oh my gosh, but, I can't even imagine. Um, and I don't always think they did a good job, but I think they did a good <laughs> job on this one. Um, because Paul does If you get any of them right, please get Epiphany right. Please get Epiphany Christmas right. Christmas is kind of self-written. Yeah, yeah. um, as long as they're cute children, everyone... Right, 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 right. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, this, this thing that's not written by Paul sounds more like John to me, actually. Mm, yeah. Whoever wrote the Gospel of John... Had right. some influence on this at some level. We'll I just call say. it. We'll, we'll call um, it right here and now. It's John. <laughs> here it's officially John in 2018, 2019, we have we have now determined John penned this. First dibs. First dibs on this. Done that. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why we know. haven't. No one's done this yet. John. Done. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, this is not Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, talks <laughs> like about that, not Paul. former generations, mm -hmm. and of course. Paul was Jewish, um, very much so, very mm -hmm. powerfully Jewish. And so um, if he had written this, yeah, he'd be referring back generations and generations and generations into the Jewish faith, um, which would include Isaiah. Mm -hmm. um, Isaiah was one of the, the books of, of the Hebrew scriptures that Jesus was known to read. Isn't that funny? Of course he read that. But um, yeah, you know, there are quotes from Jesus reading Isaiah mm -hmm. specifically. Right. Um, it plays a huge part in in the theology that Jesus himself kind of formed during his life. Um, and and this, you know, the, the part about the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, it does reflect back on that that picture of everyone from everywhere just pouring in and radiating this light and um not paul makes it sound very much like a privilege to be a part of this you know, that, yeah this mm -hmm. has been a promise to this group of people for ages and ages and ages and now you get to jump into the procession mm -hmm. and you get to move up that hill toward Jerusalem, the yeah. Jerusalem of a promise, not the literal Jerusalem, maybe. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it it holds that same beauty in a way and, mm -hmm. and the same sense of mystery, but 
now this mystery is being cracked open. And part of the light we're going to see is going to come through those cracks that will get bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger. Um, the first crack being Jesus' birth itself, you know, mm -hmm. with whatever is happening there and the angels are singing and, and things are just opening up and opening up. And um, as time goes by, well, we kind of know we're sitting here today as Christians who put a lot of faith and hope into what we're reading. Mm -hmm. um, so not Paul, who might be John, um, <laughs> really hit on something there. That's, yeah. That's, you know, it's still relevant. It's also kind of a recognition that uh, this this uh, this vision, this foretelling, this this future is has has moved on into a second stage. This is yes. this is uh, also a recognition that it's not it's not quite the original vision anymore. We have now progressed into uh, a future state of this vision where it's not fully realized yet, but we have we have passed a milestone on, on this, and 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 it's the picture is coming a little bit more yeah, more into focus. It's the it's the mustard seed and it's the yeast, and mm -hmm. you know those things exist in and of themselves. You can hold a mustard seed in your hand. Um, but eventually that mustard seed is going to be something far too big to pick up and put in the trunk of your car. Right. Um, and the yeast is the same way, almost microscopic. And poof goes your bread. Right. And, and that's that's the same thing that not Paul here is, mm -hmm. is talking about, that it, it was tiny and nobody could right. quite figure out what was in that little <laughs> tiny seed. And... Now we know to to stick with the uh, the cooking metaphor. Now we're cooking with fire. That's what this <laughs> that's what this uh, this. Now we're cooking. We 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 are we are in the kitchen and we are we're moving now. We're, and we need a bigger pot. We need a bigger. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger pot. <laughs> and one of the interesting things pairing it with the Isaiah passage is that by the time this one was written, Jerusalem was destroyed yet again. Yeah, yeah. By this point, Jerusalem has been flattened, burned down, all the people scattered. So, so yet another way that this is a renewal, right? Uh, interesting, and a, and a reassurance and that. words of hope to a people that have been scattered and are now, we know from history, scattered throughout the Mediterranean. Interesting. Right. So, so you, yeah, I, I, that that's an interesting aspect of this. So there would be a lot. There would potentially be a lot of people who are disenfranchised with with uh, with that original vision because they had started to gather together and it was destroyed again, and they were scattered in the wind. That's right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, let's move on to Matthew okay. chapter two, verses one through twelve, and that reads as this. Uh, this will be. This will sound familiar to a lot of uh, listeners. Uh, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, "Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage." When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written, has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, or of Judah, sorry, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. 
Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child uh, with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So this part of the Christmas story um, isn't exactly told in all the Gospels. Is, is Matthew uh, the sole one who talks about Herod's involvement uh, here and goes into this detail with, with King Herod? Or is it also repeated in any of the others? Or... It's only in Matthew. Only in Matthew. Um, and and the prophecy that terrifies Herod, tell us a little bit more about that. What is, he, it's not exactly detailed what that, why King Herod would care. It just kind of is told like, and he was not okay with this, like kind of worried yeah. about, uh, about this. Why well, is that? I mean, Herod's, Herod's, Fear, his fright comes actually before the the prophecy is read to him. Um, as soon as the kings are there saying, "Hey, where's this new king?" Well, Herod doesn't want to know that there's a new king right. somewhere in his kingdom. Um, of course, he's um, he's working under the emperor at the time, but he, but he was in charge here and didn't want to know that his own lineage whatever it may have been, mm -hmm. was going to be disrupted by this other child being born. Um, eventually, this becomes a bit of an oops for these magi. Um, How so? Well, it um, if you were to read on, it results in um, Mary and Joseph with their baby Jesus fleeing into Egypt and the... Um, the babies under two years old who didn't get that warning <laughs> all being killed. Um, Certainly that was not the intention of mm -hmm. the Magi when they came into town, but that, that is a part of the result. And it's um, it bothers me sometimes that that's where the story goes. But on the other hand, it does remind us what happens when we, when we are overwhelmed by fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one would hope that by reading this prophecy, that there will be a new ruler born in Bethlehem and, he will become the shepherd. This should be so comforting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Herod was already so afraid of what these magi brought to him in terms of information that this this couldn't comfort him. And his fear turned into a rather violent form of anger. And, right. Um, and that is what happens too often. So it's a, I'm making this sound like a bit of a, downward story here but um but it sort of is i mean it's a it's an error that the magi certainly couldn't have known they were making right and it's a good illustration of where fear takes us mm -hmm. um on the other hand it's also it's a very positive thing of um people from outside of 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 the jewish faith um coming in 
right and meeting up with this prophecy and a yeah. a possible fulfillment of it um interesting that they would have been studying that of course we don't know exactly where they're from maybe persia is a good guess um but um you know it's very tiny when I when I compare this text to the Isaiah text, mm-hmm. where you've just got these billions of people flowing up the hillside mm-hmm. and they're radiant and everything is brightening up, and then here you get these three little dudes who yeah just um, just three who, dudes you know begin with an oops right and um and then they do get to meet that baby though, mm-hmm. and and they bring odd gifts which people spend a lot of time debating um, what those odd gifts were for and why they brought them. Um, I'm not sure that really matters a lot, um, but I think it's interesting that. Do, do you do you think uh, do you think maybe some of that was born out of the same kind of thing that 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 the that we go through ourselves um, when we suddenly we realize it's someone's birthday or. <laughs> oh gosh, what do we bring? What do I have? Myrrh. I don't think so. Here you go. Everyone can use some mirth. King, King of Kings. Oh no, wait, that's mirth. We'd rather have mirth. <laughs> mirth. I meant mirth. Mirth was on my on my my gift list. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure that there was, there is some symbolic reason for giving those. I mean, it does refer back to Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Those those gifts. Uh, yeah, yeah, that there. was in the re- that was uh, um, in the reading. Well, the golden frankincense again. Yeah, like, no, uh, uh, but yeah. myrrh is a very Pete. Pete the Third, why and Magi? Uh, he <laughs> forgot to bring a gift, and, and so you he go. just picked a little bark mm-hmm. from the myrrh tree. On I got you. End. I got you a card. Um, <laughs> um, you know, people have kind of. Oh my! People have. People have. You know, it's not technically sacrilegious. What I just said. No, no people, lightning bolt has struck. People have developed these these ideas. You know that the gold was brought. Um, in order to support the family in their mm-hmm. flight to Egypt. Well, mm-hmm. that would be really helpful, I'm sure, because they weren't wealthy. Um, not sure what good the frankincense and myrrh would do, although sometimes those were used as healing, healing um, things, oh, like natural or healing yeah. kinds uh-huh. of things. Um, so they may have been useful for the donkey's feet because that poor little animal had to walk a long, long that distance. Makes sense. Um, or Joseph's feet heals. Sure. Walked. So, um, so I, I don't know. I mean, those are kind of nice interpretations or, or mm-hmm. you know, I, I like the idea that we have to apply our imaginations to these things. And right, right, that's right. A, that's sometimes a bad word when it comes to reading scripture. Um, Imagination? But yeah. yeah. But, but you do have to imagine what's going on and um, and why. And that's not a bad thing. That that's how we move forward in in research. Even you cannot sure. do solid research if you haven't first somehow imagined that there's something more. That that's what our right. imagination does. Well, and that's and, and I think that space is where an individual can actually connect with the scriptures. If, it, if, it, right. if everything is right. cut and dry, you know, two plus two is four. Okay, I don't really have a personal connection to that. Right. As a, as, and, as anything. And what we're hoping is, you know. The, the the magi were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, presumably yeah. because they didn't want to give him too much of a clue where to find this baby king. Right. Um, I'm also it, 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 yeah unfortunate um, in a way, but I mean we have to be glad. 
Well, and that um, that Jesus survived all this exactly. to go on with the rest of his and one, life. And one of the things that, that comes to my mind, though, as as uh, in order to pair it with the other readings, is it's another example, in a way, and maybe this is a little far fetched, but it's another example, in a way, of how that story uh, it, they're they're dispersed. They're, he's they're, they they flee to Egypt. Uh, this is not, you know, they're not they're they're not congregating on the the city of light on a hill right again it's another right. another instance yes. where they have to go away and then later they come back and again it gets scattered mm-hmm. and it, and so i don't know if that's just the kind of the ebb and flow of this of this vision uh, I, uh of like waves crashing against the shore i i think the whole story of god and god's people has to do with coming together and being separated rather uh, either through choices that we make mm-hmm. or things that happen to us and um you know there are all sorts of captivities that any mm-hmm. one of us might suffer and there are all sorts of releases that any one of us might celebrate and um and we can sometimes feel like the whole god thing has just blown up in our faces and now what do we do right um and so when you when you go to stories like this and texts like Isaiah, um, it reminds you, reminds me at least, that that these things do ultimately correct. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to blow up again. But ultimately, God has not disappeared from life, even if we are having a hard time finding where God is. And um, mm. that's a... That's a continuing theme. I mean, from beginning to end, yeah. you see, who are those two people in the garden? Adam and Eve. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they do this horrible thing that they were told not to do, but eating an apple—that's really bad stuff. Right. Um, but Con- condemnation worthy. <laughs> but they hide from God, as if you can do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And for them, God's got to be way over there now, behind the tree, because we can't be seen by God. Mm-hmm. And that story continues right on through to, you know, the not Paul guy talking about you people who haven't had the privilege of seeing God yet. Mm-hmm. It's coming. It's coming right. because um, God was a very local God in many ways. Um, that That's how most gods were. Right. We, all, we all have our own. Mm-hmm. And um, so the idea of a God that's there for everybody is kind of, odd kind of different a new right? concept and and it's 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 almost like a game of hide and seek where you want to be found mm-hmm. and, yeah. Um, and so yeah well yeah i'm thinking of when we <clears throat> play hide and seek with our granddaughter frankie she hides and then says where she is and then says come find me hmm. and that's very much the human race's story with God. She's two mm-hmm. and a half, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and she's 34. <laughs> we're a little concerned. No, she's two, <laughs> she's two and a half. But that that we do, in fact, think we run from God, but in fact, we're completely always visible. And, and I think at many times when God uh, watches what we do, there's a chuckle just like a grandparent looking at the two-and-a-half-year-old thing, they're being so clever and wise and sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, very good. 
Well, this is this has been a great discussion. Uh, uh, we, we've gone a little longer than we ever have, but I think uh, I Sorry. think that's no. Uh, it's been a there. That's been a great discussion. So I really appreciate. it. Thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, thank you. Um, so you know, and actually, I put in one more plug for Holy Family. Sure. On January sixth, we will be talking more about these passages, particularly the part about the Magi at the nine o'clock adult forum. Okay. And so there's Kathy's sermon on January 6th and also conversation. Those adult forums are very conversational. So mm -hmm. if you do have questions, you can simply come to Holy Family at 9 a.m., have some coffee, and enjoy further discussion about this passage. Fantastic. Well, again, this has been uh, Shortcut for, to... Bleh. What's the name of our podcast again? Shortcut, Shortcut to, to Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this has been a long shortcut to Sunday uh, for January 6th, uh, 2019. We're going to be weird to say. We're all going to be writing it wrong for the next month or so. Uh, but uh, I've in been Ben. In which case, your checks I, will not clear. Yeah, right? in which case... <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm clearly Bruce. <laughs> there you go. And I'm Kathy. And you're Kathy. Someone just had to poke me to remind <laughs> me who I am. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.